Welcome to another edition of the Cuz I Have To podcast, when living your dream is the only option. That's right, Jason. (laughs) Our next guest is a huge advocate for living your dreams, even if they end up looking different from what the dream in the brochure looked like. Her dream was to become a mum, as she said. She's Australian. She spent seven years trying to become pregnant. When that didn't work out, she used meditation and emotional intelligence techniques to find peace. Her journaling led to a memoir, which led to her being on this podcast. Please welcome author, emotional intelligence teacher, scientific yogi, Shari Laris. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Good to be here. It's pretty awesome to be able to talk to, uh, gotta love technology, be able to talk to people on Zoom you know, you're in Australia, we're in Los Angeles. Right. A, a, a day ahead and eight yeah. hours behind yeah. or something. <laughs> I think we're yeah, meeting, yeah, yeah. I know. We're meeting somewhere in, in the middle. Yeah. Somewhere in cyberspace. But I know technology is pretty cool these days that we can just have all of these conversations so easily. No planes, no jet yeah. lag. Yeah, yeah. Right. So we're yeah. Although get... I would prefer to be in summer there right now as opposed to winter. <laughs> but, you know, other than that, I'll just live through you in the heat wave. Yeah, right. <laughs> We'll send some sweat your way. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, uh, We're going to dig into what exactly um, an emotional intelligence teacher is and more and what Cherie has been through. Uh, That's all coming up next. We made it to season three of the Cause I Have To podcast. When living your dream is the only option. We're your hosts. I'm Julie Slater. And I'm Jason Friday. We'll be chatting with guests and each other about facing your fears and going for it in life. We hope to inspire you to live your dreams. Now let's get to it. And we're back. Cherie Larisse. That is such a poetic name. So um, Yeah, no kidding. Nice to... Uh, <laughs> Your birthers or your your whoever gave you the name, they were very, um, I hope they were also a writer of some sort. Go I was ahead. born in the 70s, so I think it was more drugs than, you know, poetry. <laughs> An acid, a Luckily. great acid trip, you know. Yeah, probably. Let's go with Cherie Larisse. Um, yeah, okay. Let's just make something up, yeah. <laughs> so let's start off with, I know you sent me an email, like how did we end up connecting? You said through a friend that someone told you about the podcast? Is it someone that's been on the podcast? Oh, Julie, that was Am I stumping ago. you? Am I stumping um... you with this, with this question? Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. I know who it was. Um, it was a yoga teacher that I was introduced to because she is also an author and somebody introduced us. So I don't really know her. We caught up for one coffee and then she told me about your podcast. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, that's when I, I listened to a few episodes. One of them, Jason with your cousin. Yeah. Isaac. Mm. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. Actually, I think that was just recently, more recent yeah. than I listened to. But I listened to another one at the time and thought, okay, all right, I can talk to these people. <laughs> <laughs> was it, uh, I mean, it's obviously Joji's friend, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it has to be. Yeah, okay. Your Which friend I, Jolene, I, uh, I, I, one sorry. of her friends. Yeah. Uh, okay. okay, so let's start, let's start with the journey. So you, you, you went through some pretty tough times. Do you, do you want to talk about like what, I guess, not necessarily what all that you went through, but I guess how you turned the corner on it all. I mean, where do we begin mm. with you? 
<laughs> um, it's really funny because where I begin now is, you know, from the place I am now, which is I have such a cool life. I really do. I, I'm so grateful for the lifestyle and the freedom that I have in my life right now. For example, both of my husband and I, we're uni students at the moment. We've both gone back to university during COVID because we can. You know, we don't have any dependents. And yeah. we were planning on going back to uni in our retirement. And then during COVID, he had a whole lot of free time and my business pretty much dissolved overnight and it's come back now. But teaching emotional intelligence, when everybody freaked out during COVID and I don't know what it was in Australia, I hope it wasn't a worldwide thing because it was weird. But in Australia, when everybody freaked out at the beginning, everybody went and bought a heap of toilet paper. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was worldwide. Did that happen over that there? Was, oh, yeah, yeah, that was worldwide. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know who that started weird. that. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Like we're gonna run. I don't know. That was weird. So while everybody was struggling emotionally, and I thought that theoretically my business teaching emotional intelligence would have boomed, instead all of my clients dried up and they all went to buy toilet paper. So I don't know. That was weird. So then I started uni as well because you know I was free as a bird. I had all this time. So now I come from this really different place of telling the story. Of it's a really cool story. At the time, it didn't feel that cool. So especially seven years of some pretty dramatic and I want to say at some stages traumatic periods, especially there was one particular period where I thought I had got myself to a really good place and I had worked through the, you know, the last few months of every single month, it's another letdown and you know, that ticking clock, um, not just the biological clock of I'm getting older and time is running out, but then you also have this monthly clock as well. And, you know, you've got all these ticking clocks at you and it's it's really loud from the inside. But every time I thought that I had worked through it and I had quietened that ticking down and I got myself to a place where, no, 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 I'm, I'm really good with whatever the outcome is. And then something else would come along and test me. And I'd lose my shit all over again. I would just oh crumble. So this one particular time, I thought I was totally solid. I was stable. I was good. Whether I did have kids, whether I didn't, it didn't matter. And then I went to pick up my nephews from school. And as soon as I arrived at school, you know, I'm mother age. And I looked like all of the other parents around there. And as soon as I walked in, I realized they don't know I'm not a parent. And I walked in and I suddenly took on this persona just like them walking in just like them. And I suddenly felt I had that moment of this is what it feels like to go and pick up your kids from school every day. And I just kind of let myself really feel that because I never got to feel like a mother. So I dove right into that and I walked up and I stood outside the classroom and I was watching all of the other parents talking. And while I was standing there just, you know, bathing in this, this is what it feels like. My brother walked in through the other gate and he had also come to meet his kids. And as soon as I saw him, I suddenly felt exposed as a fake and I was not a parent after all. I was just an auntie. I didn't have kids. I wasn't going to have kids. I couldn't do it. My body was broken. I was a total failure. You know, all of it bubbled back up again. 
Um, and I got to the car just in time to shut the door before I burst into tears. And that was me in pieces again. <laughs> so I just had a variety of those experiences probably for, I don't know, maybe four or five years before I really started to get a hold of it. And that was through emotional intelligence techniques. So some of the techniques that I take my clients through are the techniques that worked best for me, the ones that I really feel had the the most power. And in very simplistic terms, it was to find the benefits to what I perceived as a negative and then find the drawbacks to what I perceived as a positive. So I perceived the negative to be not having kids. You know, to me, that was you're practically dying. You know, your life just ends because you can't continue your life. So that was a huge negative for me. And it was really, I struggled to get my head around any other possible way of living a happy existence if you didn't have little things that looked like you. And I just, you know, my head was on a loop around that. So I had to unpack all of the benefits of not having kids and actually allow myself to, you know, uncover them and find them and then bring them to the forefront. So they are all I could see, you know, which now fast forward a few years and my husband and I are both uni students and I love what I do. I lo- you know, as soon as we finished uni, we we're planning on going traveling for probably six months at a time and we'll just ditch the Australian winter and head to the northern hemisphere every year because we can. And you know, <laughs> it's such a cool yeah. life. But I really I struggled to find them initially. And I had to find a lot of them to mentally get my head around no 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 there actually there is life beyond childlessness um and then i had to do i had to unpack the other side as well and say okay so i'm looking at the the positives of you know motherhood is the only positive here so okay well what's the negative what's the drawback to having kids and it is the fact there's a that, lot of them. There's a lot of drawbacks. Yeah, I know, I know. I've heard rumors that yeah. I've heard rumors from the friends I have. Um, <laughs> are they and, rumors or is, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just well, kidding. you know, I can't speak from experience, but okay, so a big one. And maybe like no offense to like I'm sorry if this triggers anybody out there because um unfortunately it is prevalent in the world that divorce rates are huge you know when when people have kids it it puts a lot of pressure and stress on the relationship and I think it has to you know before you were the only one that you were the important person in that other person's life and then suddenly you've got this little dependent who is literally their life is dependent on you making them your number one so your attention has to move like it just you know humans we're just we're born dependent and we are that way for years so our attention has to move the dynamics in the relationship have to change and I think that's really difficult for some people to adapt to and also to come back from so if you are never each other's number one again then yeah it's not surprising that a lot of marriages go through a lot of issues and and crumble so that was one of my big number ones of because my I totally dig my husband and I know not everybody likes their husband. I really, really do. I am really into him. <laughs> and when I thought about, do I really, you know, maybe I don't want to jeopardize that. And maybe I wouldn't choose to not have kids just to maintain my relationship. But if I can't have kids and I get to maintain a really great relationship, that's a good thing. Sure. So eventually I kind of got there. Right. And what about any thoughts of like adopting or any of that? Did you go through that period or? Okay, this may sound really strange given my journey. 
I don't really like other people's kids. <laughs> that's that's funny. All right. Is that bad? Uh no, I've heard people say that. I that's yeah, I mean, is it bad? I don't know if it's good either, you know, but <laughs> is it funny just, and relatable because I've heard that before? Yes. Yeah, so. like I just I don't see other people's kids and melt. I just I just don't. I mean, some of them are really cute, um but most of them sure. You know, they, they carry a lot of germs. They're full of snot. They're noisy. Um, they're very distracting. <laughs> I don't know why I really wanted my own, um, yeah. given given that fact. But, yeah, so, no, we. my husband did say, are you interested? You know, because he was the one that was really blasé about it. It actually took him a few years to come around in the first place to say, yes, okay, let's have kids. Because when we first met, he wasn't into it at all. He didn't want them. Um, I was the one that was really dead keen on being a mother. Mm. So I I was really impressed, actually, and I guess it says a lot about our relationship that coming from a place where he didn't even want his own kids, that he eventually sat down and said to me, would you like to adopt? Do you want to go down that path? Do you want to investigate that path? So, I mean, what a man. But no, I just... I just decided if it, if it, we weren't meant to have kids, then fine, we're not meant to have kids. And what that did do was pivot my direction and I wasn't ready to let go of being a mother. I feel like I grew up always knowing myself as a mother and I think that was one of the hardest things for me, one of the most traumatic things that I went through in my journey of really losing my identity and who I thought I was. You know, you, you go through all these phases in life and you go through those weird teenage phases and... The hormones change in your 20s where you're really figuring out who you are as an adult. My 20s included a lot of substances. Um, they were a lot of fun. I really liked it. Then I came through that and got myself a serious job and then got myself a husband. And, you know, but the whole time through all of those different, and now, sorry, just to finish that story, now I'm a yoga teacher and pretty damn conservative in life. So I feel like I've done a whole spectrum of versions of me. But through all of those different versions, you know, there's a sense of yourself that stays. Like you still know who you are, even while your behaviours change and you go through all these different phases, there's that sense of who you are that remains stable throughout. And then I got to this phase of, whoa, that that stable version of me that I knew, that I, I know myself to be, that's not and if I don't even know who I am what do I know about anything how do I relate to this world so that was probably the biggest crushing moment it wasn't that I couldn't have a child it was that I couldn't know myself I couldn't have myself when I got through that bit I realized I need to find some other way to mother because it's the only way I know myself and so that's why I dove even heavier into emotional intelligence so now my consulting business is to help people through their challenge, their life challenges, whatever flavor they may come in, and mother people that way. And my plan is to just mother the bejesus out of everybody else, um, just to make up being able to mother my own. So, and to be honest, that's where the book came from as well. Yeah, what's um, the, tell us about the book. What's the name of it? It's on path. On you path. can translate with an American accent. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that's great on path so uh, that can you say book? that can you say that in english yes on path <laughs> that's very funny english i love language that you just said so that. messed up hey uh, like no just... it is it totally is it's unfair 
It really is. It is. And it, <laughs> yeah. like even going from Sydney to Adelaide, the accent is different. I mean, like you guys, you go from LA to New York or down to oh, the southern states and sure. yeah. It's night and day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Completely different. Yeah. Anyway, so so my book is, you know, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> On path. Um, so I I started writing that because I was journaling through that roller coaster that I went on. So the book is, it's really uncensored. It's very raw. It's really vulnerable, very honest, because I started writing it just for me. It wasn't, it wasn't ever to, it wasn't meant to be a tell-all. It was a vent and process for, for my own purposes. And then as I kept writing, I kind of realized that it was going somewhere else. I just didn't know where. And it, w- it went through a few phases because I was writing as I lived life, it went through all of the ups and downs, all of the, yeah, I'm totally good now. Oh, no, I've broken again. And all of the emotional intelligence techniques that I took myself through and where I got to on the other side, how it changed my thinking, the meditations that I took myself through and what happened in those meditations and how that gave me clarity over who I am and how I can still maintain my motherhood. And so part of that was this book became a part of the way I mother. So because the book is so, um, I guess I use myself as a case study for emotional intelligence and and for how to work through life's really crunchy challenges. So in a way, this book is a, um, a method of me being able to reach people wherever they are around the world. And while they're reading the book, it's like I'm sitting on the end of the bed with them saying, I don't know what you're going through in all of its detail. I don't know how that feels to be you, but I can tell you what I went through and I can tell you what I did about it. And if that resonates, if you want to try that, see what happens for you. Um, And what I have found just from feedback from people is even though I'm using myself as a case study and it's very much about my challenge of not being able to fall pregnant and then partway through the book, my old boss and friend died so then I work through that as well and go through loss in a different sense of loss. So first it was the loss of child or, you know, not loss of child, but loss of being able to have a child. That didn't make sense, but I know you know what I mean. It does. Um, yeah. And then, thanks. Um, and the the loss of myself and then the loss of a friend. So it goes through a few different versions of loss and how I got through it all and how I ultimately arrived at this this feeling and concept and knowing that nothing is missing. It just, it shows up in different ways in our life. And if we wanted it to appear only per the brochure, then it looks missing. But if you can broaden your perspective and look at how else it may be showing up in your life, then you can find that actually nothing is missing. So ultimately, the book is really quite healing. And the people who have read it, who have come back and given me the feedback saying, I really relate to that. And it's like... I was reading your words about your journey, but I was living my own journey. And when I talk through how I resolve things, it plants a seed and people's subconscious starts ticking over and relating it to their life challenges. So you can't help but process your own stuff while you're reading this. Um, And I've had some really cool feedback from men who are, you know, builders relating the challenges that I talk about and how I resolve it 
to stuff that happened in their day on the work site, like really quite um, disparate circumstances. Um, and then another guy who, I don't know, he was maybe 70 or something, and he read it and said to me that it really helped him understand his daughter-in-law's grapple with whether to do IVF or not. And he just had no idea what she was going through otherwise. And it just gave him that insight. So, yeah, it's been kind of, I think it's a bit of a healing tool, which is where, which is how I mother, right? Like it's a mother via the book now. It's really <laughs> neat to have a book that you write that's out there. I mean, like years from now, people can still like find it and yeah. and and learn from it and grow from it. And so it's, it's a a really awesome gift to put out there for people. So if someone doesn't really understand what emotional intelligence teaching is, mm. I mean, you talked mm. a little bit about spinning, you know, it's kind of spinning your situation a little bit. Either you focus on all the negatives or you focus on all the positives. What else is involved in emotional intelligence? <clears throat> like, is it meditation? So, um, as in a whole different way, Yes. So I would say it's two part, and I mean, actually, from a professional point of view, the I offer two different versions of consultations depending on how people want to work with their emotions and how they want to um, learn emotional intelligence. So one is more talk therapy, and it is broadening your perspective to see the other side because we will naturally, because our, our brains are designed to judge every situation and I know being you know judging a situation and judging other people it has this really bad reputation but actually our brains are designed to judge because we need to look at every situation that we're in and say am I safe or am I, am I in danger and that's just an evolutionary design to make sure that we allow the species to survive so if we're in a dangerous situation we need to be able to judge it immediately and get the hell out of there to save ourselves and save our species. So we naturally judge. That's just what we do as a human. The problem is there is a whole lot more information in that scene. And while we are making quick judgments that make us feel safe, when we do that, we delete all the other information around it as unimportant. So in the, the talk therapy, my resolve consultations, I ask specific questions to get people to broaden their view around that particular situation and see what else there was. And it's all there. Like all the information is processed by our brain. It's just what we hold on to in the forefront that uh, forms the judgment. But I can go back and ask specific questions about um, what they gained from the situation. You know, if they were in some awful situation, I can ask what they gained from it, either in the moment or after the fact, you know, the different doors that it opened and it led to somewhere fantastic, and they can see that terrible situation in a whole different light. So that's the talk therapy, very briefly, that's one part of it. And then the other way, the meditation, is to meet the emotion as it's felt in the body. And that is on the knowing that every thought we have, every emotion that we have, every belief that we hold has a physical sensation that we can physically feel. So most people will relate to this in a um, knowing when they get nervous and they might get butterflies in their stomach. They might get a dry mouth. They might start to shake. So, And there's a physical sensation that goes along with that emotion. Or when people get angry, they might get hot. 
Um, they might get a knot in their stomach. You know, there's, there is a physical sensation that corresponds with every emotion. A lot of the times, if there is an emotion that we don't want to feel because it's extremely unpleasant and traumatic, then we shut off and we try and not feel as best we can and we repress it. And that just causes all sorts of potential havoc in the body because these emotions, they're not designed to be repressed. You know, they want to be felt and acknowledged. And if we give them the room to move, then they can move through. They can move freely. But if we try and lock it in a box, then it has to create a little bit of a ruckus to get some attention so you can address it and resolve it. And when emotions create a ruckus in the body, the body's way of communicating is via symptoms. You know, that's how it speaks to us. That's how it delivers its message any way we understand it so um if we can listen to little symptoms and respond then they don't have to get louder but you know sometimes those symptoms have to get pretty damn loud for us to stop and change our lifestyle or you know acknowledge what's going on so so in the somatic meditations that i do it is to create a really safe and comfortable place for people so they feel emotionally safe to go in and meet that emotion on their own terms, knowing they can back out if it just feels a little too heavy in there. But they go in and just be present with that emotion and just feel it, like feeling the physical sensations. And at that point, you're not attached to the story of why it came. You are literally sitting with the physical sensations and just noticing as you sit with them and you just acknowledge them and allow these sensations to be felt and to be seen and heard and um just acknowledged as being there then you notice what changes and sometimes it does start to move and change and it's they're pretty wild I have to say the first time I take people through these meditations they get to the end of it and they kind of say what was that is that is it normal does everybody do that I'm like "Uh uh-huh yep (laughs) it's just it's quite wild we are wild. Humans are humans are crazy wild things. Oh, yeah. And when did you start teaching emotional intelligence? Were you always like a student of it, like during this time that you were struggling and all that? Or did you come upon it while you were yeah, in the Yeah, um, a little bit of both. So I started my business of teaching emotional intelligence in 2016. But even prior to that, it was uh, in my mid-20s, so 20 years ago, that I woke up to just how cool learning was and I went on this little education path and I've been a bit of a a learning junkie ever since then so I started with holistic counseling then I dove into human behavior that was really the big one for me I accidentally so I I found this teacher and he just everything you know those people that everything they say makes so much sense and you just I just had such a crush on his brain um, and I just wanted to suck it dry like I just wanted everything so I booked into pretty much everything that he was teaching I just booked into all of his courses and one of them I turned up to and at enrollment they said okay can you just check the spelling of your name and make sure it's right for certification I'm like huh what certification and they said to be qualified to take clients through this like oh that could be cool (laughs) just this little vague. So you didn't know you were getting certified? No. No, (laughs) No, I just, it was another course he was offering and it sounded good and I signed up. And (laughs) That's funny. Who was the teacher then, the person that you? John Demartini, Dr. John Demartini. So he's an American, a Texan. He could could say on path with a cool accent. (laughs) (laughs) 
Tom Pius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's um he's a very he's got a lot to share, that man. Yeah, so I did that course and that's when I started to uh work with the and even when you do certification, you work on yourself, you work with somebody else, you work on yourself, you work with somebody else, and you do that again and again and again and again. And at the time it feels like you're running out of stuff to work on. Like, you know, you start with all the big ones of challenges you had in life in your life or working on relationships with people that challenge you or whatever and you just do it so many times you feel like you've run out of stuff you know and then life happens you're like oh thank you <laughs> there's something I can work on and then the next day something else <laughs> happens oh great so it never um, ends so I, is what you're telling us it never, it never ends. ends no 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 great. I think when we have nothing else to work on there's no yeah. point in being here right yeah right yeah sure so I'm happy to have stuff to work on yeah. What are you going to school for now? Neuroscience. Oh, of course. Of course you are. <laughs> it's the obvious next step. <laughs> yeah, that's, yep, that makes sense. Yeah, we have a, we had a, one of our early guests was a, is a hypnotist, but she's right. going on to like all this neuroscience. Oh, yeah. Heavy oh, right. stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've oh. worked with a bit of, um, hypnotism and neurolinguistic programming which is um, very tied in with hypnotizing and it's I mean the subconscious is a really big deep juicy powerful place yeah. so it's a really cool space to work yeah sure. I even tried um, hypnotherapy when I was trying to fall pregnant but it seemed I was going to be a mother in some other way so I think it all worked just you know, not in my womb. Right, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, yeah, it, it, it something was created. It just wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which ultimately I think is really cool because I get to mother so many more people now. Sure. As opposed to just two little snotty, Rats. germy yeah. things of my own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funny. Yeah, yeah. Okay, guys, I think we're at the part of the program where it's five <laughs> o'clock somewhere. Okay. This is where we take uh, five quick questions, a uh, little lighter ones, and we just get to know you a little bit better. Are you are you up for this challenge, Cherie? I'm ready. Okay, um, you do seem far more sophisticated than us, so we do apologize in advance for these next questions. Yes. Um, <laughs> here we go. Uh, question number one. Uh, looking at Australian delicacies, have you ever made fairy bread? I grew up on fairy bread. Oh my gosh, really? That, <laughs> that sounds... was at every party of every seven-year-old. Oh my god! And you have to have fluffy white bread, thick margarine, like just mostly chemicals, not that much dairy, <laughs> and then whack a whole lot a of colorful of little sugar, sugary yeah. balls on top. And yeah, no, no, we grew up on that. Oh, that's very funny. Can you see my? Yeah, she's oh. got a t-shirt. Happy little, happy little oh, that's, that's, that's great. <laughs> okay, uh, question number yeah. two. Okay, you're forced to live in one city in the United States for the rest of your life. Where would it be? Oh, I've only been to three cities. They're my only personal experience to draw from. Um, <laughs> what, what cities are those? I'm just curious. Have you New read York, about any others? Okay. New yeah. York, San Fran, and L.A. And New York, I don't think I could do their winter, as fun as that is. San Fran, even the summer, they've got that weird little microclimate going on there. Um, and I yeah. just avoid winter at all costs. So I guess it'd have to be LA. 
but that's just drawing from what I know. <laughs> all right. I mean, those are all great cities, so it's. Where are uh, you guys? Los Angeles. We're in LA. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. See you there. <laughs> see, yeah. See you soon. <laughs> Okay, uh, question number three. There's been a long dispute between Aussies and Kiwis, uh, people from New Zealand. Why are people from Australia better than those from New Zealand? Oh, we just are. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a known fact. We just innately know it. We don't even need reasons why. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was very funny. Yes. It's so good. It's so real. It's hilarious. It's so real. I know. Oh, my God. All right, question number four. Most of them are here anyway, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) They leave New Zealand and come to you. Yeah. They do. Yeah, that's funny. Okay, Uh, okay, uh, number four. Name an animal you identify with. Um, Oh, oh, that's hard. Okay, wait. No, I have an answer. I do. Do I? I want to say cat. I mean, they're such... They're so full of attitude, though. Do I really want to put myself out like that? <laughs> I think you bring a little attitude. But, yeah. Yeah, no, why not? Yeah, yeah. look, Cash, um, I do love the fact that they can manipulate a situation to be exactly what they want in life. Um, sure. They don't really care about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I feel like through my journey, I have figured out how to manipulate life to still get what I need. I am still a mother. Damn you, if I don't have my own child, I will be a mother. That's so right. yeah, maybe a cat. All right. Yeah, that's great. Okay, question number five. A little, little more serious on this one. Uh, you've gone through a huge transformation after going through some dark times. What do you hope you can bring to someone who is struggling with something? Help them to gain a different perspective on their life and not only to just gain a new perspective but gain the the tools and the way of thinking so with every new challenge that comes up in life they have the tools to move through it if we can get those tools and learn those tools of how to think differently about our challenges then we have emotional resilience you know things can knock you over in the future and you know how to process it there and then while you're lying on the floor to bounce back up quicker as opposed to having to stay down yeah so yeah i want to share the tools it's really important to me to let people know that you can move through big juicy challenges in life you don't just because you go through something difficult doesn't mean life as you know it is over it doesn't mean that life didn't work out as you planned it means that life had a different plan that is just as cool you just didn't know how cool it was i want to share that yeah i think that's that's great answer yeah Uh, Cherie Larisse, you've been a joy to have on. Uh, the book is On Path or On Path? On Path? On Path. <laughs> if someone would like to work with you uh, with emotional intelligence, uh, your website is cherie.com.au. So S H E R R I E.com.au. Awesome. Don't forget the AU for us little loggies. Awesome. Yeah. Course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much. It's been really fun talking to you, and I loved hearing your story. And, you know, everyone's going through something, so it's really right. great to hear an, I, you know, an idea of how to turn it around and see the positive of what's happening. It is tough to sometimes, you know, so when something terrible happens to realize, like, you can't fight it, it's happening. You know, some, it, mm-hmm. something's happening, so you got to just be in it and, and kind of learn from it and, and see. Yep. See, see you in it. 
feel it, know that it's not permanent, know that there is light and then allow it to move and allow yourself to move through it. Yeah. But thank you, Julie. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. Fabulous to speak with you both. Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for being on. It was really enlightening, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Good. All right. Well, to be continued when I move to LA. That's right. There you go. We'll we'll (laughs) see you and we'll have you back on in person when that happens. That's right. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Welcome to the Afterpod, where we talk about our guest after they leave the room. That was Cherie Loris. Loris. Um, a author, emotional intelligence teacher, scientific yogi. It's so fascinating to, like, I, I just, all the things that we learn and... <laughs> I mean, just people, what, going through something so geez, huge us. like that. I will say, as a woman, every woman has her own journey... Yeah. On the parenting thing. Because sure. there is a point when you get to a certain age where you're not going to be able to have kids anymore. And even if, just from my own personal experience, even if you weren't someone that was like, oh, I'm having kids, I'm having kids, when it's about to be taken away from you that you can't have them, it can be, uh, it can be emotional. It can tug at your heart and... Yeah, it's a it's a thing. So I didn't have in my in my soul like the oh I have to be a mom, I have to be a mom. So I can't even imagine having that inside and then you're not able to have kids. That's and it happens to yeah. so many people and or it's very difficult to have kids and Right. And yeah. It's uh I mean that's what I was going to say earlier. I was going to read one of her readers said a journey of how the, what the book is about. A journey of how one woman's struggle to have a family changed the way she viewed life and her purpose within it. Luckily for us, she is sharing the wisdom she gained along the way. A profound read that will unearth self-awareness and emotional intelligence in any reader. That is like so deep. <laughs> it's insane. And just like, you know, and that totally resonates with what you were just talking about yeah and i mean as she was saying like it's not even just about not being able to have kids it's no it's how you perceived your life at some point going a certain way and it doesn't go that way and then the the struggle of fighting against the way it's going and really wanting it so bad to go the other way Right. There's so many things in life that are like that. So uh, it's definitely something that everyone can relate to in such huge ways. Yeah. It's wild. It really is. It's, jeez. Oh, I know. Uh, it's I'm Now I'm just kind of like tripping out on that because the whole, everything she was talking about was, uh, is very real life stuff. Everyday real life stuff very deep everyday real life stuff so and about turning around anything bad that's happening in your life turning it around and seeing the positives which it's well, not I mean, always that, easy uh, no yeah i mean that's literally everybody even if yeah. something's not bad but it's just like bad enough to where it becomes a bad thought and then that tur- you know what i mean it's just right. geez I was just trying to look up who the name of the woman who was the yogi Australian. Oh, you know what? It was Kate, Katie Brown was the yoga instructor, uh, was the yoga instructor and relaxation <laughs> expert 
It struck. <laughs> it was episode 58. Oh that's, my! That's that was woman. literally almost a hundred episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, it was November thirtieth, twenty twenty-one. Oh my God! What a I don't feel so bad time. about not remembering her name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and it was kind of funny too. So when we had Katie Brown on, and she's just very sweet. I'm like, oh, thank you. Oh, yes, that's so nice. So it was funny when Cherie came on, and before we were recording, she's a lot of dropping, dropping a lot of f bombs and that. Oh, yeah. So it's just fun. You never know. You never know what you're gonna get when you have a guest on. So it was yes. funny. But yeah, uh, Cherie was a great guest to have on, and it was fun to bounce back. You know, we've kind of taken a little bit of a break the last few weeks, and uh, we back in. We back in with guests, and uh, I, I believe this one, the book on Path, is great for anyone who's kind of struggling with maybe the way their life is going, and it's not looking like she said, it's not looking like the brochure that you had picked up when you first got out here. Um, so yeah, that's a wrap, Jace. That's right. Wrap attack. Until next time. Love you guys. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Cuz I Have To Podcast. Find us on Instagram at Cuz I Have To Podcast. Email us at Cuz I Have To Podcast at gmail.com. If you know someone living their dreams, tell us about them. And if you dig what you hear, please share, share the, the podcast, podcast on, on your, your socials. socials so we can grow this baby. Okay, folks. Until next time.